Hey, good morning. Um, if you're new here, man, my name is Charlie. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. Really glad that you're with us. And we are wrapping up a series today that we've called Talk. Where we've just kind of been talking about um, uh, just communication within kind of our key relationships. Not just marriage, but really all the important relationships that we have. And one of the things that I was, um, I was thinking about getting ready for this. You know, people have really... People really enjoyed this series, you know, I, we're keeping it short and sweet. I've heard a lot of great conversations that have started to happen in small groups and different families and, and stuff about it. And, as, and I've just kind of been thinking about how to, how, to, how to tie this all together. I was thinking, I mean, my wife and I, man, we spent a lot of time over the last 10 years or so especially, but really our entire married life, really just kind of spending a lot of time with other married couples a lot of them are, are struggling and, and hurting, and they just they want a little bit of help, a little bit of advice. And, and there's this thing that we've been saying now for years. We've been saying it for years, and some of you in this room, I'm sure, have heard us say it. Uh, probably on this stage, some of you may have even heard it, and you know, we've just been talking. and uh, We've talked to a lot of different marriages, a lot of different couples with lots of data, maybe 100, maybe 100 different couples we've talked to. Every marriage problem... Every marriage problem, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to hedge. 99% of the time, no, 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 no. Every time, every marriage problem that we have ever encountered, regardless of the presenting issue, has always come down to we are not meeting each other's core needs. There's something that a husband needs in marriage or something a wife needs from marriage. We're not meeting each other's core needs, and we have no ability to talk about it. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't know how to say things like, I feel like in my heart that my core needs aren't getting met by you. That's just not how we talk. You heard me say it just then. You're like, I don't, I don't know what he just said. Like, you don't talk like that. I don't know. No one talks like that. And so what do we do instead? We fight about socks. I can't believe you left your sock on the living room floor again. How come you're always playing video games? Why are we late everywhere we go? And we're yelling about this as if, as if the key, the key to resolving your marriage dispute. We, we would have the perfect marriage if, if, if we would just be on time every time we go someplace. That's it. All we need is to be on time and that there just be fewer socks in the living room. And, and, and if, we could, if we could fix that, our marriage would be just fine. But I think we know, even in the middle of the yelling about the socks and the, and, and, and the, and the timeliness and the, and the hobby that I don't like, I think we know in the midst of it that that's not the thing that's going on but we lack the real ability to talk about the thing that we really should be talking about. And so it's really been that idea that it's kind of birthed this series. What would it really look like? And so Mark kicked it off a couple of weeks ago, just kind of talking about um, why certain topics, certain conversations we just avoid entirely. We just, we, just don't, we just don't talk about them at all. And get kind of motivating us to start having conversations And then last week I spent some time just kind of talking about, well, even when we do, even when we decide to talk, we're we're just not very good at it. It usually turns very passive-aggressive, it turns very angry, it turns into a fight, it escalates before, before it even really gets going. Before the conversation even gets going, we're already off track and fighting and yelling and, and we don't know how to do it. 
So we're going to wrap it up here today, really just kind of by well, what, what, what should it look like? What should it look like? What would it look like? What is it? Give me just, just, just an overview, a glimpse of maybe what it would look like in my home, in our, in our marriage or uh, roommates or friendships or parents, siblings, whatever it is, whatever these kind of core relationships are in our life. What, what would it look like? What would good, healthy communication look like? So we're going to just start with a couple of verses that I think that just kind of establish some, some good principles. And the first one is found in Ephesians 5, verse 21. And it says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a verse that Paul says in Ephesians 5, right before he is about to just kind of go on a lengthy passage about what marriage looks like, and then he talks about what, 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 what parenting looks like and what relationships with, with and, and work relationships should look like and what relationships with believers and unbelievers. He just kind of talks about this, but this is kind of his overarching thesis, if you will, about what he has to say about relationships, that we need to submit to one another. And submit has the idea of yield, of kind of giving up. And so what, what I believe that he's saying here is I need to give up the thing that I want in order to give you what you need. Because that's what he goes on to explain in all these different kinds of relationships. We're too busy fighting for what we want to give the people in our lives what they need. And so what, 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 what God is calling us to here is to kind of switch that around, that I need to be someone, I'm going to focus on what the people in my life, what they need. I'm going to focus on that rather than doing everything I can to get what I want from people. And another verse I believe that kind of goes along with this, these kind of these core principles for relationships and communication, is Luke 6.31, and most of us are familiar with this. It's called the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And so I'm going to treat someone the way that I want to be treated. And so if I'm going to talk to somebody about a way that they've hurt me, I'm going to talk to them the way that I wish someone would talk to me. And if someone is upset with me, I'm going to respond to them the way I wish that they, I would, uh, that, 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 that they would respond to me when I'm upset. That if I, could, if I could get out of this rut, that instead of doing this thing that I'm doing, I'm going to put other people's needs above the things that I want. And I'm going to work really hard to treat the people in my lives the way that I wish that they would treat me. And then and not just the communication in our, in our key relationships, everything in our key relationships would change. And that's one of those things that it's really easy to say. I mean, those are very short verses. I mean, they're just, you know, maybe 15 words total. Really simple principles to explain. Don't need a whole lot of extra explanation, but it's, it's the how. It's the well, how, do, how, do, how does one even be, begin to, to start this? And so what we're going to do is just kind of flesh these things out just, just a little bit. And what we're going to do right now, just kind of give you a little expectation, we're about to move into what I'm going to call like a team teaching time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do very little, actually, of the teaching from here on out because what I did earlier this week was I spent some time with Patrick and Carrie Henry. They're a married couple. They've been a part of the Grove longer than I have. They're an incredible uh, couple, and they're both licensed family therapists. And so not only are they just a normal couple going through the same grind that families everywhere are going through, but they also have just some incredible insight and have really given their lives to helping people like us kind of work through these issues. And so as we kind of put it, again, put this series together, we're just going to kind of talk about, I think, some really key principles that can help us figure out what, what really good 
healthy communication in our families would look like. They've got some great wisdom and insight to share. So the first thing, the first thing that we're going to talk about is this, is that we need to have proactive conversations. Most of the conflicts that we have, most of the things where we talk about the serious issues in our, in our, in our relationships, someone's already angry and hurt. And, and we know that when you're angry and hurt, that's not the best time to have a conversation. No one's at their, at, at, at their most clear-headed. And here's the, most, here's the best example of this, and you're going to think, I'm trying to be intentionally shocking or salty or something like that, and you're going to laugh uncomfortably, and you're going to, it's, it's going to be, but anyways. Okay, so the only time that we ever talk about sex in our marriage is, is usually, I mean, 99% of the time, it's when, it's when someone's been denied, Right? Someone has been denied. The other time is maybe something really not awesome happened during it. Right? Somebody did something or didn't do something. And, 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 so, and, and so let's just say this. That, that when a guy... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, that when a guy is, is, is naked and has just been denied sex is not the best time to have a conversation. It's just not. You're not going to get his best. But that's the only time that we talk about it. And then we suggest this to people. What would it look like to have a close-on, middle-of-the-day, middle-of-the-afternoon conversation about some of these more significant things? And we, and we don't wait. And so we have conversations. How do you feel like our sex life is doing? How do you feel like our marriage is doing? How do you feel like our parenting is going? How do you, how do you feel in general? How do, you, how, how do you think it's going? And some of you right now are saying, that is the, that is the worst idea I've ever heard come out of your mouth. And, 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 and do you give tithe refunds? You're like, I, 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 want, I, want, I want my money back because that's, that's, that's no good. Because, because you view these serious conversations, you view them like you're fighting a grizzly bear, right? I'm fighting a bear, and, 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 and it's always bad. And what you're saying is you want me to find a time during my week to, to go to where the bear is, and the bear is asleep, and, and you want me to poke it with a stick, and then it wakes up and you go, Hey, bear, want to fight? That's what you're thinking. But what if, what if your spouse isn't a bear? And, and, and what if it's not a fight? And what if whatever this would be would, would prevent both the, the duration and the intensity and, and the frequency of the fights? Now, so this is the first question that I asked Patrick and Carrie. It's like, what would it really look like for us to kind of have uh, proactive conversations? When I think about having a needing to have a proactive conversation, um, I'm thinking about what am I feeling? What's what? What are my feelings giving me information about? And what? So then, what do I need? And kind of taking the time to clarify. Um, if I'm having a feeling about something that I need to talk to him about, what's what do I need? And really get that clear so my expectations are clear. Um, and then communicate. Here's what I think is going on. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's, here's what I think I need. And then asking them, what do you think? What, what do you need? Is this realistic? Um, just kind of really thinking through your needs, which is hard sometimes to come up with and then communicate, but that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of our conversations are reactive. You know, we... we there's been a blow up over something that's occurred in the relationship and 
almost 15 years in, we still do that. We're, we're both licensed marriage and family therapists, and we still do that. But um, we've gotten better at that. And one thing that um, you know I've learned um, from my brilliant wife is just that expectations, you know, stating expectations is really important. And so knowing what other people expect of you is a really big part of, you know, not letting them down. And if you haven't shared with somebody else what your expectation is, then how are they supposed to really know that? So I think that's one of the proactive things that we can definitely be doing. Um, and then sometimes we have expectations that are unrealistic. And if you have unrealistic expectations of someone, that's always going to lead to disappointment. And so you may have an unrealistic expectation about somebody else that you haven't even communicated to them. Mm -hmm. They can't meet it because it's not realistic and they don't even know what it is. And then here you end up, um, you know, fighting over that and it can just be kind of that rotating thing that comes around. So I think at least for us, just getting in that habit of being more clear with our expectations of each other and talking about what's realistic has been one of the most helpful things that we've done. Yeah. Well, I think there's been times in our marriage where we've done a, a pretty decent job with kind of these state of the union kind of, of you know, conversations. And we just called them family meetings. And we're just a family of two. The dogs might be laying around with us while we're doing it, but they're not really part of the conversation. But um, it's just a, we, something we've done on Sunday nights where we, we might talk about our week, what's coming up in the week. Um, we might talk about what we want to eat and meal plan a little bit. So there's just some business kind of stuff, but there's, there's time for issues and concerns, um, that we want to talk about. And it, it, it's proactive in the sense that we're not all hot and, and bothered about it when we bring it up. And because we know that's kind of part of the structure, um, I think we're not so defensive when they come up. Um, and that's something we're out of the habit of doing right now, but we kind of talk about that and say, yeah, we're going to get back to that because that's good when we do it. And, um, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something I recommend to people all the time, have a marriage meeting, have a family meeting. Um, but it, but lots of stuff gets in the way, whether it's just your schedule or we kind of, it's effort, it's effort to communicate and maybe we don't want to. Like turning off the TV. Yeah. Just making the time for it. Um, but also, I, I really like what we have done, too. Um, I mean, it's something we learned in counseling, but starting off the family meeting with compliments, sure. that's a really good way to just kind of get it started in a positive way. And then uh, we would end with prayer requests, which is kind of another, if you're in the habit of compliments and prayer request part, and if some hard things come up in the middle, um, if you kind of have, this is our structure, then there's kind of a, a way to, to go back to, and it just even the prayer request of we need help, God, all the time um, in our relationship. And so just kind of a good reminder to get back to that. I mean, the genius of, I mean, there's a lot there. There's a lot of genius. I mean, but you think the idea that there are some expectations that you have with your spouse and with people in your life that they don't even, they don't even know. And the only time we talk about it is when we're at our worst. And if we could have those conversations, kind of, you know, surround them with compliments and praying together, I, I would, again, the, the frequency and the intensity of the conflicts in our key relationships would diminish quickly. 
But obviously they're not going to go all the way together, all, 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 you know, away altogether. I mean, they're still going to happen. So we have these proactive conversations trying to minimize the conflict, but conflict is still going to happen. You're still going to get hurt sometimes. And so what we want to say to that is when you get hurt that you need to show grace when you confront, that I'm going to treat this person with kindness and respect. Typically what tends to happen is someone hurts me or I feel hurt, and then I feel in that moment that anything that comes out of my mouth now is justified. Anything, I am now hurt, I am upset, and what I say next, you deserve. You deserve it because you did it, and it's okay because I feel it. And so we express ourselves in incredibly unhealthy ways and get the conflict off on the worst possible footing. And so then I asked Patrick and Carrie, like, how do you avoid that? How do you go into a, a situation where you're upset and you bring it up in a way that is, that is gracious and, and healthy. And this is what they had to say. Um, you know, when I feel hurt, I, I know I've got to do some business with God first and kind of sort through what were my expectations. Um, were my expectations too high? Um, or, you know, kind of looking at did somebody cross my boundaries? Did I cross theirs? Um Am I, was I being too sensitive? Because that's a possibility. Um, and, and so then kind of trying to make clear, you know, if I'm feeling hurt and I need to talk to somebody about it, um, do I need to, to tell them what hurt me and ask them to, to change a boundary? Or do I need to apologize for maybe I just got overreactive and, um, just sensitive about that and, and so then, actually, I have to, like, kind of, in that hurt place, be humble, um, which is also hard. But I just think I have to really sort through it with God first before I can then have a healthy, calm conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one of the good things about God giving us our emotions for information is because we've got to sort through them um, about, is this... Was this really um, that they did something that crossed a boundary that hurt me? And so I need to say, hey, that wasn't okay. You know, the boundary is here. And you you said something really mean or hurtful about it. Um, But it could be that I'm crossing their boundaries and having too high of expectations. You should have done this for me, and you didn't, so now I'm hurt. Um, And so I'm so mad at you. But really, that was an unrealistic expectation, and so I may have to apologize that that I was expecting so much out of you, and then I got my feelings hurt. And I, I think we have to listen to our emotions, and, and they are there to inform us, but we have to be able to be skeptical about our emotions, just like we have to be skeptical about our thinking. You know, just because a thought pops in your head doesn't mean it's true. And most of our most of our feelings and our emotions are connected to a thought, you know. Um, and so, being able to really look at, you know, I'm I'm hurt or I'm angry about this. What you know? What are my strong beliefs about what's going on here? And are those accurate? And are those true? And and also passing that through. You know, how, what does God think about that or feel about that? Sometimes we, you know, change through a renewing of our mind and. Um, so I think the mind very much comes into play with our, our feelings are very tied together. 
Yeah, we're really trying to get away from, trying to move away from negative and positive emotion labeling to just emotions are emotions and they are just information and they are all emotions that God created and they're all good information. So God created anger and it's a really good emotion because it gives us energy for change. It means something's wrong here and something needs to change. Um, and so if we can look at it like that, it's, it's a neutral emotion. We could do really bad things with it, and that's negative. Um, but the purpose of it is for positive energy and change. So then sorting through, okay, if I'm angry, do I need to change something um, that I'm doing, something I'm doing that's wrong, or an expectation that I have? Do I need to ask for change within someone else? Um, or, you know, is it kind of a, a boundary problem between me and God? Am I just wanting control of everything or want, or having expectations that everything should go well? And if, if it's not, then I'm mad. Um, so then, you know, just always has given me information about the action. Do I humble myself before God? Do I ask for change and take that risk to ask for change or just work on change in myself? This part of the conversation went on for a while, mostly because when I asked the question, how do you, how do you confront somebody graciously, it wasn't for, really for the sermon. It was because like I, like, I, like I really don't know. Like I don't know how to do this. And then what she said just kind of blew my mind, that, that sometimes you get your feelings hurt, and what needs to happen is you need to take a minute and see if the problem is you. And I'm thinking, who does that? And, and to hear her describe that, it was just, it was just incredible. Okay, so then, then you, theoretically, hopefully, you're, you're, you're talking to somebody and you're trying to go through these steps and trying to be a little more gracious in the way that you do it. Well, now you're on the receiving end in the same way. You need to give grace when you're confronted. You need to give the grace when you're confronted because typically what happens is you either deflect it, oh, that didn't happen, you're wrong, and, and, and you try to do all these things, smoke and mirrors, or you immediately escalate it. Well, you're saying that. Well, what you do is worse. And then I come to what you say with something worse that I think that you did with, with more volume and more intensity. And now the, now, the, now the conversation is completely and totally out of hand. So what does it look like? How do I let someone tell me that I have hurt them and receive that in a gracious, healthy way? And this is what they had to say about that. It's never like a pleasant thing to be confronted by another person you know none of us enjoy that but it's it's part of life and I think that um, confrontation is you know in, in some families or marriages or relationships it's common but in others it's un, uncommon um, and I think that it's almost you know, if we could almost kind of reframe how we think about somebody confronting us as that's a that's a blessing, that they're willing to be vulnerable, that they're willing to put it out there, um, that they're giving me the information so we can work on this. You know, I think um, our, our response is going to be better. So just understanding the other person's intent behind what they're doing and 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 assigning kind of a positive intent to what they're doing I think is really important even if they're coming at you and sometimes people are coming at you and sometimes it doesn't feel like that but even when folks are coming at you you know there's a there's a story behind every overreaction and, and they may not even be overreacting but um, you know 
part of that may be I've, I'm just wrong, and I might even know that, um, and I might not, but I, I need to hear them out. And so just understanding that behind anger is usually hurt and just being able to kind of relabel this as this person's hurt, and I might have been a part of that, that I think allows me to kind of want to hang in there and at least listen to what they have to say, um, just, you know, to kind of see where we're going to go from there. So I keep thinking that um, the great thing about the gospel and communication is that in this place of I hurt others because I'm sinful and broken and I do ugly things, there's grace. And it, it's like this constant exchange of um, letting my shame be seen and apologizing for it and then accepting grace or seeing the other person's shame and then forgiving them um, and giving them grace. Um, so I think the more we practice um, just facing our shame and accepting God's grace for ourselves, the easier it becomes for us to communicate when we need to and then um, accept and forgive others in their their place of need. I think when we've been wronged, we, uh, we often, I mean, we want to react. And we often react way too quickly. And what we lack is a pause button. Because if you could just stop and sit or retreat briefly, and I don't mean retreat like do the, the withdrawal, passive-aggressive kind of thing, but to briefly withdraw, think, um, just kind of get your bearings and really think about what's happened, then you're much more likely to be able to go to the other person and, and, and bring up your hurt and your anger in a productive or helpful kind of way. And so I think what often happens is the person on the receiving end of that um, that criticism is because there's this lack of ability to pause is that somebody's really coming at them. And you, it's just like you're immediately backpedaling because um, this person's coming at you. And our natural uh, thing, you know, defense is just to defend. And um, so I think, you know, that's really hard. And, and I mean, I know across relationships, whether it's with Carrie or whatever, I mean, I, my hands go up real quick when the person comes at me. And so I think being able to say, I mean, I, I, I totally want to respond to that, but can you just give me a few minutes? I, 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 I promise I'm going to get back to you. I want to think about what you just said, but I want to, I want to give you a, a adequate response and, and I don't want to be reactive. Um, I think when the other person can can present the hurt and without all the the anger, so I think as opposed to this, it kind of reels me in, you know. But that's hard to do. It's not what you're going to get all the time. Um, so I think just a little bit of time in there between, you know, getting hammered and and being ready to to give a, a response. thing that I think that has potential to be life-changing for me and, and hopefully for you as well is the idea of what it would look like in conflict if our heart and our mouth had a pause button. So somebody has hurt me and I'm upset and I'm going to wait 
before I say something. I'm going to go through the steps that Carrie talked about, about is this me, is this you, is the expectation. And then when someone says something to me, that rather than having that initial gut reaction, which you know and I know is always bad, what if, what if I just thought a little bit first, which is incredible. And so now we've had this conversation, someone is confronted, you've been confronted, and I think our last problem is, is that we don't really know how to, how, how to really end it. You know, we, we have the conversation, and then two weeks later, three days later, two days later, we have the same conversation again. We're not able to really end these things, and I would say it's because we do not embrace the fullness of I'm sorry and I forgive you. We don't really know. We don't really know how to end it, and it ends. It ends with, with, with kind of coming to reconciliation. I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused you, and I forgive you for the hurt that you've caused me. But, and, and, and maybe we've been trained to use these words because our mom, hey, you tell your brother you're sorry, I'm sorry. And so we say these words, but they don't mean anything. But if we're going to say them and use them, and if this is the only way to bring real healing and the end to conflict, then we're going to have to understand what they mean and use them correctly and appropriately. And so this is kind of what I asked Patrick and Carrie. It's like, wait, wait, what... What does it really mean? What are these things? What is it? What is I'm sorry and what does forgiveness really look like? Well, I think I think the words I'm sorry are some of the most powerful words that can come out of a person's mouth. I mean, I think a lot of things um, I think a lot of healing occurs around the words I'm sorry. A lot of um, relationships start over with the words I'm sorry. A lot of making up starts with I'm sorry. You know, but words are words are only words unless you're going to back those up. But I think I think to say I'm sorry is at least a it's a verbal acknowledgement that I I was wrong. And then it and then what are you going to do about that? Are you okay with just being wrong in that situation, or are you going to do something about it? And so I think um, you know. Even, maybe even just being specific about what you're sorry about um, so that the other person knows that you really heard them and, and maybe considering an apology, not a full apology until you've included the things that you plan to do to to change or prevent, you know, doing the same hurtful thing. Not that, we, not that we're standing around with some little ledger book keeping track of, of the score or anything like that, but... Um, you know, if, if I'm going to say I'm sorry, then I, I know she wants to hear, so what's your plan? She doesn't want to just hear, it'll be fine, I'm sorry, it'll be fine. Um, I think, too, um, you know, I'm sorry. If you're really, if you're really going to say it, you've, you've got to think about what you really are sorry for. What, are you broken that that you've been selfish or that you've done something ugly or that you um, have hurt someone um, and and really confessing that. Um, and, and I think that's just the beauty of where the gospel comes into this is because, because of the cross, I can say, I can confess and be vulnerable. I am sorry. Um, and know that I'm forgiven there. Um, so I just, I think that's the heart of um, the gospel is, I'm sorry and we are forgiven. 
think that's just the interesting thing about how God made us and communication and that we have to say it out loud um, because you can't just think, I'm sorry. Um, And there's been a lot of conflicts that we've had that I have known I was wrong and am really thinking, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Um, But it's not over until I say it. Um, You have to say it. It has to come out of your mouth. You can't just think it. And the flip side for I forgive you, um, because that I can be really stubborn and want to hold on to resentment and anger, and just because you're sorry doesn't mean I'm not still mad. And um, you know, and I have to I have to say that too, and not just think that it's not over until I give that forgiveness that that Christ has given me. I think that's hard, and that's why I don't want to say I forgive you sometimes is because I know that when I say I forgive you, that means I really have to let it go um, and not hold that against you, not bring it up later, um, not use it kind of as a, a shield to protect myself later if I need it later. I really have to let it go, and that feels a little bit vulnerable sometimes um so yeah it means it means a lot if you've been paying attention i hope you have um you probably feel a little bit like someone's taking a fire hose to you i mean there's just a lot of incredible things that 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 has to say there and there's so many things that we could be doing differently and, and better with the proactive conversations and the pause button when I when I confront, and the pause button when I receive, and really am understanding forgiveness, asking for it and giving it. Um, but the the beauty is the thing that that they brought up there at the end is about it's it's the gospel that makes all this possible, and it is the Holy Spirit inside you that gives you the strength to be able to be and become who it is that God's called you to be, and it is. And it is Jesus Christ's death that brings forgiveness to you, that allows you to forgive. And it is the fact that the God of the universe has forgiven us so much that we should be able to forgive a little bit. And so we need, first and foremost, to to lean on that. And there's lots of things, there's lots of steps that we need to take, but I think that the first... And foremost step that we need to take is to make sure that we are legitimately inviting God into this. So let me pray for us. God, I thank you. I thank you first and foremost for Patrick and, and Carrie. And God, their, their willingness to just kind of share some of their wisdom with us. And God, not as just kind of counselors who have things to say, but as, as a couple and a family who have who fight the same battles that we do. And God, I thank you for that that reminder of the gospel, that your son Jesus Christ died and sacrificed himself for us, gave up his life to give us what we need, to bring us the forgiveness that comes. And God, we thank you for your spirit who changes us from the inside 
and gives us the courage and the peace to move forward. And so, God, I pray that we would just be able to, in, in the key relationships in our life, God, that are hurting and are broken, that, God, that we would be able to lean on your strength. And again, we are so thankful for your son, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I don't want to embarrass them too much, but Patrick and Carrie are actually here in this service. And so, man, I just encourage you after the service, man, just come thank them. That was a, it was a really awesome thing that they did for us and some incredible wisdom that they had. And, and, and I think now is really kind of the time for us to kind of process this. Just to kind of process all of this, to kind of, kind of take it all in. I mean, I think, I think Patrick said it. I mean, it's, it's one thing to kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another thing to have a plan. And so before the worship team... Um, uh, leads us in, in, in another song before the ushers come down with the, um, with the offering before for any of that. We're just going to take a little moment just kind of process. And I want you to ask yourself these three questions. To whom do you need to talk? There's a key relationship or some key relationships in your life where you need to have some conversations that you've been avoiding or you've been having terribly. And what do you need to say in those things? What is the right healthy thing to say. Think that through. What would it look like if I were to apply these principles and say this in a healthy way? And then once you kind of get to that point and you think, man, I'm not capable of it. I'm not capable of doing this the right way. What do I need to do to get in the right frame of mind to say it the right way? So let's just take a minute of just kind of quiet, personal, prayerful reflection.